It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. I am your second-hand expert. You're listening to the only daily podcast for the Cincinnati Reds. Today's episode, I want to get to something that Ken Rosenthal wrote in The Athletic, and also want to talk about a few more news and notes and a couple of more rumors about JT Real Muto. But before we get to that, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, and check us out on the website at LockedOnReds.com. Had a piece written over the weekend by Sean Young looking at Nick Senzel and how the Reds could best utilize him, and also check us out on Twitter at Locked On Reds and my personal Twitter account at Jeff Carr with three F's. So now we're getting into this Wednesday edition, and unfortunately, you know, there's still no real concrete news on JT Ramuto, and I'll get to all that here in a little bit. But there was a piece that Ken Rosenthal wrote for The Athletic. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, Definitely recommend that you do so. We had Citrit Rosecrans, the Reds beat writer at The Athletic on last Friday. Go check that out if you haven't heard it. It was a fun conversation with him. Got a lot of good information from him during that conversation. But also, just The Athletic as a whole is a great resource. And Ken Rosenthal is a fantastic national writer, a great guy to follow. His article he was talking about is the league and the Players Association talking about pace of play changes and different things that they could implement even as soon as this year. And there were two main um, subjects to these rule changes that I want to look at. There were some other ones that... It just seemed like there was a laundry list of ideas that they were presenting out there. But the two main ones are forcing a minimum of three batters on a pitcher. So if the manager brings in a reliever out of the bullpen, he has to face at least three batters. And then the other rule change would be a universal designated hitter. You know, right now the designated hitter is only in the American League is not in the National League, and this would be a rule change. And in fact, they said, w- were it to be implemented, if it's if it's going to be picked, it would actually happen this year. It wouldn't even take that long to get into play. So that would be that'd be something. And you know, I'll get into both those here. We'll start with the DH. That's something that I've always believed. Just as a baseball fan, the designated hitter needs to be across the board, all or nothing. And I know, if, you know, for the longest time, it was implemented 16 years before I was even born in the American League, but it's always only been an American League ballpark thing. The National League has held pat with the whole idea of pitchers batting and, you know, double switches and pinch hitters and all of this good stuff. But, do we really need all that? I mean, Rob Manfred in the article, Ken Rosenthal quotes some of the things that he said and just kind of 
summarizing Rob Manfred's thoughts on this, it really sounded like he was almost saying, well, you know, traditionally we haven't done it, so since, you know, tradition says this, we're just going to stick with tradition, you know. That that just bugs me, because if you're closed to new ideas based on tradition, then you're never going to improve. And when it comes to, and, and this was an idea that the players union countered to the league, the idea of a universal DH, that opens up a lot of possibilities, even on just this Reds roster is currently constructed. We're talking about the ability for Joey Votto's usefulness to continue throughout the remainder of his contract. He wouldn't have to field at first base. He could focus on hitting as the designated hitter, and they could find, you know, they could get a defensive replacement once that starts to go down and say, Joey, we know you love to bat. We'll just have you focus on batting. That would be great. Or for the immediate future, for this season, if it were to be implemented, you could put Matt Kemp as your designated hitter, and then you stop the whole idea of, well, why aren't they trading him? They got too many outfielders. Nuh-uh. Now he's their DH, and he doesn't have to field. You don't have to put his sabermetrically uh, negative statistics out there in either left or right field, and he can just hit. I mean, he hit over 20 homers last year. Now most of that production came in the first half of the season. I get that. But if you're telling him he's got to be a designated hitter, I'm sure he's a lot happier than if he had to play out in the field. And that's something that, you know, you're never going to get rid of the designated hitter. When it comes to baseball, I do like more of the purist argument, which means that I'm not in favor of the DH. But you're never going to get rid of it because then you're taking away jobs from guys in the American League who've been DH for a few years. I mean, I think of Adam Dunn. The reason Adam Dunn's career lasted a few more years with the White Sox is because the designated hitter position existed. So you're not going to get rid of it, so you might as well extend it to the National League. And then the other one, the the rule change that the league presented to the Players Association, the three-batter minimum. I don't like that rule one bit. And that's not because I'm an advocate for the Tony, Tony La Russa style bullpen. Absolutely not. But I think if you limit a team, you change this rule just a little bit. And you limit them to one specialist a game. So each team gets one guy that they can bring in in a situation where if they want a lefty-on-lefty matchup, then they can take advantage of that, but they only get one of those guys a game, then you have a three-batter minimum. As it stands right now, the three-batter minimum would, as far as I understand the signing of Zach Duke, it would almost negate the signing of Zach Duke because I don't know that they view him as anything more than a left-handed specialist, to come out and get maybe one or two outs in a game. I don't see him being the guy that gets the call in the seventh, definitely not the eighth, and definitely not the ninth. He'd be a guy that if a three-batter minimum was a thing, then he'd be almost on mop-up duty before the season even started. So I don't really like that. That takes away a lot of jobs. I mean – I know he was a Cardinal for the longest time, but I always think of this dude when I think of a left-handed specialist. It's Mark Jep- Jepchinski, which I know I butchered that, but 
if you go look it up, his last name starts with an R. And he pitched for the Cardinals for a long time, left-handed reliever. And he was always just, you know, you never looked at his season stats and you're like, boy, this guy is a really good reliever. But in a pinch, when the Cardinals needed that out against that left-handed hitter, they brought Jeptemski in and he got that out. So I, I really think that that takes away from the strategy of baseball and I don't like it. I think that if they amended it, maybe it'd be worth going after. But all in all, uh, Rob Manfred said, and Ken Rosenthal put these quotes at the end of his article, that Rob Manfred thinks that at least for this season it's going to stay at the status quo and that neither of these things will be implemented. So it's one of those things where, you know, they're reporting on the changes that were presented from the league to the Players Association and then the Players Association's counter ideas to the league. But all in all, it's something to think about down the road, not something to think about this year. I'm a little late for a break, but when we come back on this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about JT Realmuto and then also looking at a fringe player for the Reds in this spring training. You're listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast on this Wednesday. In the first half, I talked about a few uh, proposed rule changes that Ken Rosenthal had in an article on The Athletic. And here in the second half, I want to look at a fringe player for the Reds as well as some JT Realmuto rumors. And we'll start with that fringe player. I was looking at Wandy Peralta today. I really think that Peralta, you know, he, he had a rough year last year in 40 five innings pitched, 45 and a third innings pitched. He had 31 strikeouts and he had 31 walks. So being a reliever, when you look at those numbers, it's not good. You got to have more strikeouts than walks. You got to have a lot less walks. I mean, he averaged 6.2 walks per nine. So for every nine innings he pitched, he was going to have 6.2 walks. And that's just way too high. That added, you know, that contributed to his whip, which walks plus hits per innings pitch, was 1.963. So for every inning, he was looking at just under two base runners per inning. And you really, when you're a reliever, you need to keep the base paths clean. And just like I was talking about with Zach Duke, you know, Wandy Peralta doesn't figure into the late innings plans, so his best shot would to be like a specialist or something like that. And with the Reds signing Zach Duke, I really feel like that means that Wandy Peralta, they view him as someone who needs work. And I really can't disagree with them. I mean, last year, like I mentioned, in those 45 innings pitch, he had a 5.3 ERA. Just... Not fantastic numbers by any stretch of the imagination. He was 2-2, two and two, so he did have two wins and he had two losses. But, I mean, you don't really look at the record for a reliever like that. 
it's more about those other counting stats, like I mentioned, with the strikeouts and the walks. And he did manage to, you know, keep the ball in the ballpark. He only gave up two home runs last year, but still, there's just there's a lot of hits. He gave up 58 hits in 45 and a third innings. In fact, to put that into perspective, in 2017, when he actually had a pretty decent year. He threw 64 and two-thirds innings pitched. He gave up 53 hits. So he he pitched just about 20 innings more in 2017, and he gave up five less hits than he did in 2018. So 2019 is going to be a year where he probably shows improvement, but it may be at the AAA level. It may not be something where he's going to get a lot of opportunity at the major league level. He's going to be a guy that's on the list to fill in in case of injury and things like that, you know, doubleheaders and, you know, September call-ups, all that good stuff. So he's definitely on the fringe there. And then I also wanted to look at the real, the JT Realmuto rumors that continue to swirl. In fact, today... We found out that another team has been added into the mix. So, yeah, well, we were talking the other day that the Reds were part of the quote-unquote final four for JT Realmuto. Now, all of a sudden, there's more teams involved. In fact, there's two more since we looked at that final four. The Rays have gotten involved and the Phillies, which, you know, some report that the Marlins are not looking to trade in division, but, of course, two of the finalist teams to get JT Realmuto are the Braves and the Phillies. So they were talking about that there's a young catcher in the Phillies organization that's a prospect, he's not a major league guy, that the Marlins could find attractive. And then also there's a pitcher named Sixto who he's supposed to be rated really high and different things like that. So I think the Marlins are just trying to see what else is out there. I think that, you know, the the Black Red Machine mentioned on Twitter that, that the longer this goes, it feels more like the Reds are not going to get Ramuto. And it, it still draws comparisons in my mind to Sonny Gray. It's a, This is a little bit longer than the whole Sonny Gray saga, but it still feels like the Reds are the favorite. I don't really have anything else to go on that but just a gut feeling but I think the Reds get this done. I still stand by that until I'm proven wrong. And it was nice because uh, I saw some statistics on Twitter from Dylan Fink talking about that JT Ramuto since 2016 has had better road OPS numbers than some of the best in the game. I mean, in fact, when you think about here recently, this is basically a list of who's who over the last few years. So since 2016, JT Ramuto has had a road weighted on base average. So that is a sabermetric stat that is supposed to be an all inclusive stat that includes everything, and it's kind of like his actual batting average, but it sits at 380 since 2016, which is better than Mookie Betts, Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, Alex Bregman of the Astros, Robinson Cano, J.D. Martinez, you know, Jose Ramirez of Cleveland, 
and even Matt Chapman, the third baseman, um, he was on the A's. So, you know, of course, there's a whole lot of others on that list. He ranked 17th out of 133 batters with at least 300 plate appearances on the road. So, you know, there's there's a cutoff there, but he's one of the best hitters in baseball. Just straight, pure, and simple. He's got an argument as the best catcher. There's still a few guys in there that, you know, could have some say-so, but he's definitely in the argument. So I feel like it would really be a shot in the arm. You know, the Reds have done a great job of acquiring talent that's going to turn things around this season and really get people back to the ballpark, I think, and then also get some wins up on the board. But JT Ramuto is just another big step toward that playoff goal. And I I think, you know, I don't think I'm putting money on this, but I, I think the Reds get this done. So even though there's all these rumors about, oh, everyone and their mother's still in and the Marlins have no clue as to who they're actually trading them to, I did see something where the Marlins are having their fan fest, you know, Marlins version of Red Fest, this Saturday. So I think that they try to get something done there because if JT Ramuto is still on the team during their fan fest, I think that kind of cast a pall over that. There'll be fans there just wondering. That'll be their main question that they have for the team. And I feel like they want to get that done before then. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully here in the next couple of days the Reds do get the Real Muto. Hashtag get the Real Muto. But until then, I'll just keep on monitoring. You've been listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast on this Wednesday. Tomorrow on the podcast is going to be Throwback Thursday. I'll have a nice tidbit of history for the Reds for you. And we'll have some more news and notes as well. So thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you tomorrow on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.